Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, hope you're having just a wonderful Christmas season so far, and uh, looking forward just to sharing a little bit from God's Word. And I just got a little bit of good news for you all here. Um, 2020 is but just under a couple weeks away from being over. Wow. Who would have thought that we would be experiencing a year like that? The year that began with this great hope, 2020, right? The year of clear vision, but yet it's drastically ended in blurred vision and perhaps darkness for some, right? It's something we haven't experienced, I think, uh, for a long time to this degree, certainly not in this generation. And as much as I'm happy to say that 2020 is just about over, I can't guarantee that 2021 is going to be any better, right? This isn't the encouraging Christmas message I'm sure that you've all been looking forward to and hoping to hear, but listen, we're going to get there, all right? Just hold tight with me. We're going to get there. What I do want to look at today is certainly the hope that we do get to hold on to in times like this, and it's the very Christmas message that comes and brings that reminder for us of the blessed hope that we have. And I want to share some familiar passages with us from Isaiah, uh, this great prophet here, verses that we meditate often over during this Christmas season. And I pray and I trust that they have some fresh meaning for you here this morning. And I especially want to look at just kind of leading up to those words in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7 that we often read about leading up to those verses that kind of begin to fill in a little bit more the context and I think even just make it that much more relatable uh, for us here today. Now, listen, I, I'm sure that we can all say that, you know, those in the Bible, living in Bible times, didn't have it any easier than we got. In fact, I think, I think many people in the Bible times would be looking at what we're dealing with and going through and thinking, Oh my goodness, that's a cakewalk, right? I think even just in the last generations that we've experienced, you know, even going 100 years ago, people would be looking at what we're dealing with and thinking we're a bunch of wusses for having, you know, winding ourselves through all of this here. I mean, people have had it hard all through history, no doubt. And it's in this time that Isaiah was writing and having to deal with a ruthless king over Judah, Ahaz, and then also having to deal with the constant threat of the Assyrian army coming against them. These were perilous times that Isaiah is writing into here. And as we read in Isaiah, I'm going to go back to chapter 8, verse 19. Um, we're going to see that many were seeking or not seeking God, and they weren't looking to turn to his word. And the outcome wasn't very pleasant. In Isaiah 8, verse 19, here's what we read. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. They will pass through it hard-pressed and hungry, and it shall happen when they are hungry that they will be enraged and curse their king and their God and not look upward, or and look upward, sorry. Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness and gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Oh man, that is not some pleasant verses to 
think on and look at there. But as we move into chapter 9, we see that hope begins to emerge. Those that would experience gloom of anguish and darkness, as we read there, were not meant to stay in that status. There's some good news on its way. It's the same hope and good news that we need to hold on to during dark days that we might be encountering today. Look at what Isaiah 9 says. Chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lately esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her. By the way, the sea beyond the, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and notice this, and increased its joy, they rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. So what a change of heart and emotions are being encountered here. This is, of course, speaking of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would come and spend a great deal of his life and, and his ministry there in the Galilee region known as Galilee of the Gentiles here in Isaiah 9. See, a light is dawning, a light is, is shining in, hope is emerging, and it's completely captured for us now in Chapter 9, verse 6, is as Isaiah brings it back to how this is all going to unfold. He says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, for the people in Isaiah's day, you might understand if they're not super excited with this prospect, thinking uh, a child is born, a baby, that's gonna be our hope. That's not our usual line of defense when we have a problem. You don't go to your, oh, you hear, you, you hear there's possibly burglars in the house? Let's go get the baby. He'll know what to do. That's not usually the first approach we take in these things, right? But this is a child that would be born that comes with a wonderful promise. You see, he comes knowing your struggle because he's always been. He's seen it all. But Jesus left his eternal abode and clothed himself in humanity so that he could now experience your struggles. He came to identify with you. Everything you're dealing with right now, you have a savior that's walked that same road, that's gone through those same things. Jesus came as fully man. Think about that. Because I'm sure he could have appeared just as you know, a fully grown man that just came and skipped the whole, you know, baby growing up adolescence phase. Just skipped it all. Just come as a conquering king. That would have been much easier for Jesus. But he attached himself to humanity. He was not just man, but he was fully God who came to experience all those things that you and I are going to have to deal with. And it was because of this 
that he was qualified now to be our once for all sacrifice that helps us from our greatest need and that is the forgiveness and the removal of our sins. And of this son, this coming Messiah, he would rule and reign and says that the government will be upon his shoulder. Aren't you glad for that? See, we have earthly rulers today that you might like or, or dislike. You may agree or disagree with policies that are made, but a future government is coming that will be perfect. Again, our hope is not in earthly governments or worldly powers. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to come and establish his everlasting kingdom. Jesus came the first time as that suffering servant, but when he comes again, he's going to come as that conquering king. This is our hope, my friends. That's what we long for. Now, because Jesus was born into this world, we now have a new relationship through faith in him. And we get to experience the, the beauty now of life in Christ. And we see the glorious fruits that come through that by the names that are given to him. Because Isaiah writes there, and his name will be called. Now that doesn't mean that each of these names are you know, used to address or identify him or call to him. These names that are given are rather descriptions of his character. So we see, first of all, wonderful counselor. It's been suggested that this could literally read the wonder of a counselor. Whether it's two separate words or, or, or to be taken together, we understand that in Jesus, we're going to be left in awe and wonder. He will simply amaze us, and it is inexhaustible. It, it, the more that you look to him, the more that you are just filled with wonder at the greatness of our God, at the, the wisdom, the, the beauty, the, the counsel he gives. Perhaps you're in need today of some good counsel. My friends, look to Jesus because you're never going to be disappointed or hurt when you bring your cares and concerns to him. He's our wonderful counselor who will encourage and restore you. And he's our mighty God. See, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord to do. He not only has the answers, being that he's our wonderful counselor, but he's got the ability to help you carry those things out to bring them to fruition yet how many times do we doubt or wonder is this something that he's really able to do for me can he really accomplish those things in my life I know he can probably do it in others but in me is that true keep in mind he's the mighty God he can do all things he's able and he's willing he came all the way down from heaven to come to a lowly manger, born as one of us, in humble means. He is more than willing. You know he's willing. If he's willing to sacrifice the glories of heaven to come to this world, he's more than willing to help you in your time of need. Now this word for mighty, I love it, because in the Hebrew it's connected to the word hero. That's a great way to look at our Lord and all that he's done for us. And he's the everlasting father, Isaiah says as well. That's not to say that Jesus is the, the person of the father in the Trinity. We know there's three distinct persons, yet all are one. This is simply saying that Jesus goes beyond time. His start was not in Bethlehem in the manger. He's eternal. He stepped down out of eternity. And as the father was active in creation, Jesus was too. He's been through it all. 
And as we read in Revelation, Jesus is he who was and is and is to come. Been there, done that, knows what's coming, right? His, his beginning wasn't in the manger, and his end is not at his resurrection. He's always been at work and will remain carrying out all his good pleasure. He is active at work today. He's at work in your life as the mighty God, that wonderful counselor. He's that everlasting father that continues on and is the prince of peace. What a great way to look at Jesus. How the world is searching for peace, not just politically or materially, but, but personally. I think a lack of peace taking place in people's eyes is the real pandemic right now, but peace is not gained in getting control of your problems. It's found in letting go and letting Jesus now have control, allowing the Prince of Peace to come into your life and fill you with his peace. Man, that is such a need today for people to experience that. And it comes only through one way. It comes through looking to Jesus as our Prince of Peace and submitting all things to him to say, Jesus, come, fill my life, take over, be that Prince of Peace in me. You know, when Jesus was born into the world, it was certainly not a picture-perfect, peaceful climate at all. It was not a specifically bright, encouraging time when Jesus came into the world. The nation of Israel had not heard from their God in some 400 years. The Romans were now wielding their, their power and making things somewhat oppressive over the Jews. But you see, it's in the midst of the difficulty and darkness that God appears. When, when the angel was speaking to you know, Joseph and Mary there in Matthew 1 and, and reminding them that, that Jesus is gonna come, and he's going to be the Savior. He's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. What a wonderful picture and reality that is for us. No matter what trial you're facing, what issue in life may be getting you down, no matter if you just experienced a year like no other, we can be reminded that God is with us always. And at Christmas time, we remember just these words of Isaiah that a light has shined in on the darkness. A savior has been given to us and he continues to shine and lead us on in the days ahead. May we remember what he's done for us. May we look to him here this Christmas time, not just as that baby in a manger, but as that light that shines in the darkness as presenting the hope that we all need. A savior is born this day in Bethlehem. A savior that will grow up and conquer sin and death, the grave. Who's come to give you life today by simply submitting yourself to him. By calling out to him to say, Jesus, be my Lord, my savior. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me whole. And as you ask him to do that, he'll come in. He'll make you whole. He'll give you new life eternal life where we have hope beyond what this world has to show all right let's pray heavenly father thank you for your word here today and and for this season to reflect on the fact that you came you came as one of us to do a work for us that we couldn't do and and so jesus 
we come and we say thank you. And we love you. And we, th- we pray that people would just experience that wonderful counselor. They'll see as the mighty God that comes into every situation to overcome. They'll see as their everlasting Father that you're at work today. And as that Prince of Peace, Lord, bring peace to troubled souls, to hurting hearts. Bring peace here today. We look to you. And we thank you for all you've done, Jesus. Amen. Amen.